Welcome aboard to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme park rides and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And this week, we're going to be discussing the importance of a few key transit systems around Disneyland Park, namely the Disneyland Railroad and the Monorail, two iconic and important pieces of Disney history. Both of these attractions represent a symbolic and thematic focus of Disneyland, which we hope to get to the bottom of by the end of this episode. But first, hey buddy, do you take public transportation? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, so, as attentive listeners will know, I live in the Bay Area, California, and up here we have something called the Bay Area Rapid Transit System, or BART for short. Uh, and, you know, it's a combination uh, elevated train slash subway system. Uh, there's also the Muni in San Francisco, which is uh, the municipal uh, transit system, which is buses and streetcars and that sort of thing. Uh, when you think of the San Francisco, that's probably the streetcar you're imagining. Uh, and I take these all the time whenever I want to go somewhere uh, not home or work, basically. So uh, they're they're really normal uh, kind of everyday average parts of my life. Um, so what about you, Alice? Well, as attentive listeners may remember, uh, I live in New York City. I actually live in Manhattan and I don't own a car here. Um, you, it's so, so impractical to own a car here. So I'm actually on the subway system here every single day. Um, it's, it, it is the, heartbeat of the city it keeps this place alive because otherwise the traffic would be it and it is just so so bad uh <laughs> i the the mta runs the subway system here we just call it the the subway or the metro um we don't have a fancy name like bart for it uh and uh and while it it has its uh flaws it is for the most part efficient and quick and makes the city a lot easier to navigate without uh the trouble of uh of driving around in it. So yeah, I'm I'm I don't remember the last time last time I had a day that I wasn't on the train. While you were in New York. Well I was in New York. Right. Every day. It's just it's uh, a part of our day to day routines here and everybody takes it takes the train here. Yeah. Uh I, I guess I guess um why why did you ask me that question? Well I wanted to ask you <laughs> Not just because we wrote it down, but I wanted right. to ask you about your personal experience with uh with public transportation because well, I know you nowadays you take the the train for um you take the train around when you have to um but say growing up, we drove everywhere we grew up in Southern California, we drove everywhere except at at disneyland we uh we take that train sometimes oh, just yeah. for fun uh and and I feel like mostly only just for fun. Right. Uh, I, I can't. Uh, well, well, we'll get to this a little later in the episode, but there's something about those trains, uh, the monorail and the railroad specifically, uh, that is way more. Uh, and, and I hesitate to use the word, but uh, magical <laughs> than uh, than your ev average everyday trip to bart or the metro uh it's bart and the metro are um they're they're normal right they're really mundane uh they're these brutalist concrete 
uh, efficient, like just normal trains. They're they're not uh, they're not aesthetic in any way. Yeah, uh, they're just for efficiency. Yeah, and they 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 do their job quite well, quite cheaply, um, environmentally friendly. Uh, <laughs> But they they don't bring a lot of charm or a lot of uh, entertainment value or fun. And I, I can't really remember a time that I got on BART uh, that I was just excited to be on BART, except for maybe the first time th- that I visited San Francisco. Uh, it, it's really it's not romantic. Uh, it's not always clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, no. <laughs> no and and i'm sure the same is true of the metro right where oh, it's maybe disgusting. For, <laughs> for a few weeks after you moved over there uh i'm sure that you you felt found that a little romantic but have you ever gotten on the the subway just to ride it around just to see where you ended up no never i would never <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible right uh and and nor i for bart i've never gotten on bart and just seen how far i could ride it because I, I want to be somewhere. I want to go do something on it. Uh, it's a tool. And but, but at Disneyland, the train is a ride. Even even the monorail, which is a transportation system from, you know, from downtown Disney to the park itself, it's still a ride. It's it is somehow trying. It's trying and succeeding to blend efficiency and fun in the same like in the same car in the same system yeah in the in the in the everything from the the way that the lighting is the way that the doors open the way that the crew is dressed uh the way that the stations are presented everything about them is uh presented in a way that brings that whimsy uh and that that presentational style not to mention the monorail especially no the monorail and the train uh, both have these really iconic designs uh, that are much more about style than substance. Though with the monorail, I, f- I find that it might it might actually be like quite a substantive design, right? Uh, kind of a this is the future of transportation. Look how streamlined and cool it is. Sure, and 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 uh, and we'll get to the monorail, but I think we should start with the the train. I think I think I want to hear you talk about the Disneyland Limited. And um, but let's start with the train, because it was really the first thing that was ever finished in Disneyland, right? That's right. You know, the Disneyland Railroad was actually an opening day attraction in 1955. And a lot of people know that. But while I was doing a little research on the subject, I stumbled upon a video by Offhand Disney, a uh, popular YouTuber uh, who did a video on the attraction. And uh, by the way, Offhand Disney, thank you for giving us permission to quote you as a source. Uh, and I learned a little bit more about the park history from that video, and it turns out that the railroad was the first completed ride at Disneyland for a reason, uh, and that's because it was used as a means of transporting materials from one area of the park to the other to build the rest of the rides. Uh, so the train was a, a utility at first, which I found fascinating just as a concept. Like, while you're riding that steam train, that same train was being used to build the park you're looking at. That's amazing. And to imagine uh, riding the train perhaps before the park was built when it was just kind of a loop around nothing. 
Uh, and maybe there was some scaffolding of the castle and, uh, Main Street was being built and you could kind of imagine with the, with the berm the way it was, uh, that you'd kind of have a bird's eye view as well of what was going on. Um, and historically the train is very important to Walt himself, uh, because as a child, model trains, electric trains were a big deal for him. He had an uncle that was a conductor uh and for as long as as uh Disneyland was a an idea uh a train was part of it even as far back as when it was called Mickey Mouse Park and was just a small little park near his studio that people could like kind of come and uh visit the studio and then visit the park uh even then he was like got to have a train at that <laughs> um so it, it really was a huge part of him uh, personally and a, a huge part of his personality, I think, that remains injected into the park. That's right. So today, guests can board the train at any of uh, four stations. Main Street, New Orleans Square, Mickey's Toontown, and Tomorrowland Station. And, and also embark on what is called the Grand Circle Tour of the Magic Kingdom. So you can stay on board and go all the way around, or you can hop off at any of those stops. Um, and when you ride the, the Grand Circle Tour, you get treated to scenic views of the park, and it tops off with a classic dark ride-type display of the Grand Canyon and the primeval world. Uh, and that, that's between the Tomorrowland and Main Street stations. Uh, altogether, the trip takes about 20 minutes, including stops. So if you sit on it right all the way around, about 20 minutes. And it, it really is an incredible 20 minutes. It uh, it kind of gives you a back view of some of the park. Um, and, and parts of it are kind of notably bland. I would say that between Main Street and New Orleans Square, there really isn't much to look at. It's kind of a tunnel, the back of some buildings. Uh, and then, and then eventually the station, which is a pretty cool site. Um, but there's parts where you can see the rivers of America, Tom Sawyer Island, great views of the Matterhorn. Uh, you can see inside, um, Splash Mountain. There's a lot to look at while you're on this tour and there's, uh, some narration that goes along with it. So, uh, Alice, I hope you don't mind. Let's kind of move on to the, symbology of the steam train i don't uh, mind at all <laughs> let's talk about the the history of steam trains in america uh a little bit uh trains were an import of the development of america as a country from its from the earliest days of the invention of the train uh this continent is so big that in order to settle most of the West, we needed trains. You can't just ride horses from one end of America to the other. It's just too big. Yeah, you could ride horses, but you need several horses. Need many, many and horses a long time. And weeks on end to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh and, and it's funny because there's there, part of part of what we're saying here is is kind of the the myth making that comes with the Disneyland Railroad itself, right? Because while on it, uh, the narrator says, you know, the steam train was was so important to the development of America because, you know, it reduced a trip that used to take months to a couple of days. You could be across the country uh, very, very quickly, comparatively. The Transcontinental Railroad uh, really kind of brought the East and West Coasts together 
in a way that was unprecedented in in speed, in comfort, in accessibility. Uh, and its continued expansion uh, from that point is part of what makes the United States as it is today a possibility. So really, uh, you know, trains and steam trains and steam power in general, especially for Americans and especially uh, for a certain period in American history, were symbols of expansion, right? Uh, these these uh, iron horses that could work tirelessly to transport people and things as far as you needed to move them uh, and very, very quickly. And it's a really, really American symbol because America was kind of the cradle of this technological innovation um, and and the way that it connected everything uh, is still continues to leave huge marks on our city planning. Uh, what cities are major often coincides with where the railroad ended up. Uh, and it, it's just this thing that, that is a, an unmistakable piece of Americana. And it's, uh, it's, you know, connection to Disney, uh, and his love for that aesthetic and for that storytelling style, uh, is unmistakable. Uh, but it doesn't come without its complications. Of course not. Because the era of expansion and this, you know, an industrial revolution, let's let's pull the whole well, it's pre-industrial revolution, but let's pull the 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 country together with this manifest destiny uh comes with a a big history of of uh, of genocide of um of taking advantage of people and land and slavery and all of these you know these horrible things that that Disneyland and and Disney himself even chooses to ignore it's romanticizing this uh time period and this aesthetic and and this idea of the great frontier and the and the 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 big big sky plains america you know this this and frontierland captures that aesthetic as well this this romantic idea of cowboys and um and covered wagons and and all of that but it's not a clean history of america like like disney would have you think no and in in that way i think uh, the train and to a lesser extent, you know, other parts of Disneyland, including Main Street, USA and <laughs> uh, Adventureland with its very, very colonialist uh, kind of aesthetic um, is very 1955. Um, yes. And and continues to be problematic uh, in a lot of ways. And riding the steam train uh and and hearing the narration say, you know, like it really is an American classic, and it it brought the country together. Uh, does come with its its uh, with its own sense of discomfort, especially for uh, adults and older kids who have kind of started to learn about this stuff. And uh, the the I, I guess the the illusion is kind of tarnished by that. Um. And and that's really interesting because because this this train is so 
beloved and iconic and almost childish in its inclusion. It really feels like an extension of Walt's train set over over anything else, right? It's kind right. of this over this uh, land that he has perfect control over, and this like little model set that we get to play in, where there is no terrible, you know horrible atrocities and there's no war and there's no anything it's just joy and play yeah and that that's really interesting to to kind of uh take this idea of the train as kind of one of walt's big toys uh and then to kind of say oh yeah that was what disneyland was all about it was one big toy or one big playset maybe uh and and the myth making that went with that uh coincided with you know the the movies uh and tv that were being made by disney at the time uh and and still still continues to feed back into the disney movies of today as well exactly uh you know and 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 one other thing alice the the train isn't the only outmoded uh kind of transportation in disneyland it's not there are uh, streetcars pulled by horses that go up and down Main Street. There's a little old-timey fire engine that takes people up and down from the from the uh, fire station at the beginning of Main Street down to down to in front of the castle at the end of the street. Um, there's even a little like trolley car in Toontown. Uh, uh, which, the jolly I guess, trolley, the jolly, the jolly trolley, which is similar, I guess, to the, to a streetcar that you might have up there in San Francisco, um, but not a lot of cities uh, have streetcars. Uh, oh, that's it's, true. It, it's a very like old fashioned sort of uh, sort of vibe, and that the streetcars and the little fire engine kind of, and even that. Um, that cool double-decker bus that they sometimes drive around um, kind of complete the Main Street USA aesthetic. So Main Street USA is modeled after Walt Disney's hometown of Marceline, Missouri, um, which is kind of a, a, a classic Southern uh little town with the you know with the cute little storefronts and everything and it's it's a little like disney's tried to capture that old style charm and the park even still as it runs today hasn't hasn't uh given that up it's a little bit like a museum piece almost yeah very very nearly and and you know the strange thing is uh in, one thing you didn't mention is the mark twain riverboat oh my which gosh is i can't believe i forgot the about the riverboat <laughs> right it's it's one of the few still operating uh steamboats in the western hemisphere i believe um and the same don't thing with the him. train he doesn't know <laughs> don't at me i don't actually know that uh <laughs> and the same thing with the train it, it's another it's a rare thing to see a working daily operating steam train and yet here both of these things are um, but but you know I, something we haven't really gotten to is kind of the speed of the train. So so it's a the the narration of the ride on the train says you know it it connected the west to the east. It made America possible with its speed, and you're chugging along at what five ish miles an hour. I was gonna say at tops, maybe fifteen. 
It couldn't be. It couldn't be 15. Yeah, what, what, what I'm getting at is that the, the train is not fast. Uh, the, the Disneyland Railroad is not a thrill ride uh, in any extent. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's more of a kind of a leisurely uh, tour. And, and the Grand Circle Tour title really does fit it, right? It's kind of a, a meandering kind of go around. You're not really trying to get anywhere so much as you're trying to see things and end up back where you were. Um, and, and the, the presentation style is very like, here's this part of Disneyland. And if you look to your left, here's another part of Disneyland. And we're now passing through. It's a small world. And, oh, if you look over there, you'll see the cars of Autopia. Uh, and, and the, that presentational style is very like, here is a tour of Disneyland. It's, it's at a very slow pace, very reminiscent of older times. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a, a joyful, luxurious, fun little tour of all the fun stuff you can do here. And this isn't really one of those fun things. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I love the Grand Circle Tour, and I take it every time I go to Disneyland. Uh, I took it last time I was at Disneyland. Isn't it fantastic? Uh, there really was no good reason for us to do it. We just, like, decided to do it. No, and one, like, one of my favorite things is for it to be my last thing because I'm tired and I want to sit down and but here's you're not this ready train. to leave the park. Right. And you just kinda wanna you kinda wanna look at everything. Um and the train the train takes a pace that that's appropriate for. Uh and of course we haven't really talked about the Grand Canyon and Primeval World, uh both of which started out as World's Fair exhibits, uh, and then were transferred to Disneyland, and they're amazing. They're, they're this very, uh, very 1950s kind of like diorama, almost, uh, dark, dark ride section. Again, it's You're a little bit hearing. like a, like a train, like a, like a set piece that Disney's playing with. Yeah, like, like, this a, is a, like a toy box. Yeah. Uh, like a shoe box with all of his dinosaur toys inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's, it's very innocent in that way, but, uh, you know, we were watching it, uh, before we recorded, uh, as research. And you were saying that it's a little scary. Yeah, the primeval world got real scary. It's spooky. Well, especially at the end with the with all of the dying, starving yeah. dinosaurs and then a fight on a volcano. The T the T Rex is eating the Stegosaurus and or he's trying to, and there's a big angry volcano behind them. It's it's very scary. And it's loud. But those those are Yeah. Yeah. They're but those are great moments, right? My little brother's favorite thing in the park for many years was the dinosaurs that was all he ever wanted oh, yeah. to do was ride the train around over and over and over again just so he could see the primeval world it's kind of funny because i i remember loving it as a kid and then i remember forgetting where it was is that Me strange it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing where i was like oh here it is eventually i think maybe when we were both teenagers uh because when we were bored one day we rode the train all yeah, the way around exactly uh, and there it was. And I was like, oh my gosh. I didn't imagine this. Here's the dinosaurs. It's been here this whole yeah. time. Yeah, it was, oh, it was between Tomorrowland and Main Street the whole time. How could I forget? Uh, I totally and, and remember that's funny. doing that. I had the same, <laughs> the same like realization. <laughs> uh, and, and that's funny because, uh, you know, we should probably get to the part where we talk about why is the train... Why is the train there from a park operations perspective? 
uh what what does it do for for guests and then like what story is it trying to put into that uh or, or rather like how is it making a story by being written um and i think part of it is uh your you're writing it because not necessarily as a form of transport, right? Right. You're, you're writing it because it's a place to sit. It's a quiet ride. It's appropriate for the entire family. You take your kid on it. Your kid falls asleep. You chill out for a little while. Uh, and I think that's why you and I might have both forgotten because it was really for for babies it was for us <laughs> when we were kids uh and we we sort of outgrew it and wanted to do other things at disneyland and forgot that purpose like it stopped appealing to us right and it never to us served as a as as a method of transportation at no point did we ever we're up in main street and go oh man we got to get all the way to toontown let's hop on the train like no because that's 10 minutes it's 10 minutes and it's longer if you have to wait so why don't we just walk and it's not a long walk yeah, and we were young and you can yeah you can you could easily if the if the crowds are right walk up main street inside of four minutes uh and and make it to toontown in in five six it's really not much no uh and disneyland is not very big uh, not, so it doesn't really do necessitate a, good, a transit system. No, it's not. They do a really good job with their spacing, cramming a lot into a really small space. Um, yeah, you don't need to take the train to get from one end of the park to the other. But I think another thing that it does a little bit, at least on particularly crowded days or very, very crowded mornings, it kind of clears a little traffic off the road. Not a, not a lot. It's not meant to. But if you get, you know, a bunch of people on this train and they're they're not you know, all over the sidewalk and um, in my, you know, kind of like real public trans public transportation does. It gets people off the road. Uh, it kind of clears the freeways, as it were, uh, of Disneyland. Yeah, but not a lot. Just just a little couple hundred people at a time. But, you know, certain times a day that could make a make a pretty big difference. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so so, Alice, I, I feel like we've really uh, kind of reached a conclusion on the Disneyland Railroad, which is that. Uh, it was never really about moving people quickly, right? Right. Uh, but, you know, I hear that you've prepared a little bit of research on a train of the future that <laughs> moves people at incredible speeds through the sky on a single rail. That's right, buddy. It's called the Mono Rail. Uh, fitting name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, yeah, the Mono Rail. Um, is similar to uh the the Disneyland Railroad in that it is a <laughs> a train that um runs in one direction uh carries a certain number of people on a round trip tour if you like um but it's uh it's a little it's a, it's a little different has a a little different purpose so uh let's start with a little history the monorail was opened in June of 1959, and it was Walt Disney's very specific vision for the future of public transportation. Um, unfortunately, he he decided to debut the monorail uh, here in Southern California, or there in Southern California, where uh, we Californians love our cars, uh, especially in the 50s and 60s. Cars were a really important part of American, but specifically Californian culture. 
uh, and still are really. Um, trains and monorails were just weren't part of most people's visions for the future. Uh, I think personally, Walt was just ahead of his time. Um, but the, the monorail itself is, uh, it's very, it's a very cool train. It's uh, very sleek. Um, it's, it's quiet. It's a neat piece of machinery, um, that is, it's quieter than, than most public transportation systems. And- <laughs> most, if not all. Most, if not all, public transportation systems. It can hold a ton of people, um, and it's a smooth ride. And honestly, it's a delight to ride. It's ex- it's a very cool piece of tech. I'm very into it. It's um, a 1959 piece of tech that we still think is very cool. I yeah, I think it's it's great. And um, it, it it was built to be just like a tour around the park, but it now um is the the a major method of transportation between downtown Disney and the park. It's a, it's about a, a 10 minute ride. And on the way you see the, you, you get views of the park of Disneyland and California adventure, some really iconic uh, views. And, um, and I think the monorail is really unique and interesting as compared to say the Disneyland railroad um, in that it is a extremely functional form of public public transportation, and it um, it's a, it's very it's very effective, it's very functional, uh, and it could have been a a a very useful like worldwide piece of technology, but for some reason it just never took off. And, and yeah, I, you 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 see a few monorails uh, in certain metropolitan areas. For example, I know Seattle has a monorail. Yes, um, which was built modularly uh, and was meant to be taken down eventually, but is now a permanent fixture. Uh, but the the monorail is so cool because it's like uh, at a time when cars very much felt like the future. They felt like individualism. When when the streetcar and the steam train felt old fashioned and of a bygone era, the monorail said, you know, there is a place for the train in the future era. Uh, and it doesn't it can look like the future and it can smell like the future and it can sound like the future uh, mm-hmm. and it can it can carry like the future, too. And I think that's part of what makes the monorail so cool is that it, it feels like it's on air. Uh, yeah, it's and it, it's it almost impossibly smooth. Um, do, and and they... you know you were you're talking about uh, iconic Disney views and uh, you know I I gotta say I I've been talking about this with our special correspondent in the field, Kate Prince. Uh yes, Kate Prince, the girl who lives in your home. Yes, uh, the special correspondent in the field that is our home. Um, Kate and uh, Kate has uh so graciously shared with us a, a really nice story um, about her first time uh, at Disneyland and her first time on the monorail. And uh, we got her to record it. And we'd uh, like to share that with you all, our faithful listeners. So here is special correspondent Kate Prince about her first experience with the Disneyland monorail. So the first time I went to Disneyland, my parents did something a little unique. I was five. Um, I'd always wanted to go to Disneyland, and we went for my birthday. My dad got up very early, and he waited in line 
the day we were going to go into the park for the first time. We kind of gotten there the day before, checked into the hotel. We were planning to go to Disneyland as it opened in the morning. And he waited in line for the monorail, and he made sure that we got on the first monorail train and sat in the very front. Now, if you haven't been on the monorail, the very front is a very small car, that little pointed nose part, and you have an amazing view, and it's just like six of you and the monorail conductor. At the time, it only went from the hotel to Tomorrowland, but it drove past the front of the park. So the first memory I have of Disneyland is looking out the window of the monorail and being able to see down Main Street past the opening. And there was this sense of wonder because you're in this technology that I'd, I'd never experienced before. I'd been on like the BART trains here in the Bay, but the monorail was so unique. And it, it just made the experience of going into Disneyland that much more magical. And I think that is what is so unique about transportation in the parks is it's not just getting people from point A to point B. It's about giving them magical moments while moving them. And I think that is what is so special. And just recently, the last time Buddy and I went to Disneyland, we got to ride the monorail and we got to ride in the front. And when we went through the front of the park, I was filled with such a sense of wonder and nostalgia and magic. It was absolutely amazing. So I think I think that is what transportation in the park adds to the experience, is it adds to the sense of magic and wonder. Wow. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Kate. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's a really beautiful story. And I think, you know, to imagine kind of uh, the, the importance of the monorail in that way as, as kind of a, a showcase of, of it, literally a showcase of Disneyland and what you're about to be experiencing it. Uh, uh, if, if it's your first ride in, you're looking at this place from above as you kind of zoom across it and it's like, here's Disneyland, right? And here's this magical place that you're going to be in in a, in a couple of minutes, just a couple of minutes, take it in. And then you kind of swoop into Tomorrowland Station. Uh, so, so really the monorail is a symbol of uh, progress, right? It's a symbol of progress. And at the same time, much like Tomorrowland itself, it's a symbol of potential. It's this, like it was Walt's big vision for the future of transportation, Tomorrowland and, and yeah, and Tomorrowland itself is a symbol of this potential what we think the future could be what we what we think the future can can hold for us and and while the Disneyland Railroad is a look back at our past the monorail is a look into our future or at least the future that Walt uh envisioned for us yeah kind of kind of an idealized uh future where where nothing was impossible where uh, things that were prized were things like efficiency and innovation and imagination and design as well, all kind of at once. Uh, and that the monorail really is, it, it is a, a beautiful symbol of that. When you think of it kind of as, as an attachment between kind of the outside world, the, the kind of, especially today, the kind of corporate, uh, ESPN <laughs> zone, rainforest cafe, Starbucks, downtown Disney. Uh, and then the kind of fantastic Disneyland 
uh, kind of a bridge between what is what is possible and what is uh, the monorail is is a very uh, almost it's it's almost mundane in how well it works, but it's got that extra touch, that thing that makes it a little a little special, a little futuristic, and uh, not everything, if only everything, especially our uh, mutual rapid transit systems uh had had that panache that that kind of flair right yeah if if only we had those things then life would be like being at disneyland every day we could finally live in disneyland like we've always wanted to do well alice our time talking about disneyland and it's two uh transportation systems it's two trains has come to an end uh but now is our chance to kind of step it back and go back to talking about last week's episode uh when we discussed Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey at Universal Studios. That's right. And we got uh, a little bit of feedback and I'd like to read this comment from uh from Julie. Julie listened to our episode and uh on the question of uh whether or not the uh Harry Potter ride is part of Harry Potter canon, um she says You can definitely tell that the goal of the story was to include as many recognizable elements, creatures, locations, etc. So it feels like they kind of built the story from the outside in. What I love about it is the innovation in ride tech. Practical animatronics blended seamlessly with 3D. For me, the technical wizardry combined with the nostalgia of HP, Harry Potter, makes up for the plot holes. And Julie, you are absolutely right. Um, the technical wizardry, along with the real regular wizardry, uh, makes for a really excellent ride. And it should be noted that Julie, like us, is a former cast member of, uh, the, of Disney. And she even mentioned in our conversation that, uh, she almost felt like a traitor, but that the Harry Potter ride is one of her all time favorite rides ever made. Yeah, and and really on an, on an innovation level, uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, uh, is it, it's so good at conveying the story that it does have that it really does make kind of these plot holes and inconsistencies uh, not f- forgivable, but it makes them less uh, prominent. Yes. And the thing I appreciate the most about Julie's comment is that it really is that pun is that technical wizardry pun, <laughs> pun intended for sure. <laughs> Julie's brilliant and amazing. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you so much, Julie. Uh, and and now we've got a comment from uh, a topic that we had a couple of weeks ago, right? Right. I think this was two episodes ago. Hmm. Uh, so this is uh, from Amy. Thank you, Amy. Uh, she says that, and this is Amy said uh, last week that uh, she had been on the Peter Pan ride in Disneyland Paris. Yes. Yes, uh, and, uh, and she, she didn't said like it. Found it. She found it janky. Was that the word? Um, <laughs> uh, something like that. It uh, was, she, uh, she felt it, that it was rough, right? That it was kind of a uh, not smooth. Yeah, not a very smooth ride. Uh, which is weird because that's not what our memories kind of matched up with. Uh, but Amy's new comment here says that she's going to give the Peter Pan ride another shot when she goes back to Disneyland Paris in December. Uh, and I'm pretty pretty glad to hear that, Amy. Thank you. 
she also said that she was so excited to hear her comment read on air that she woke her poor boyfriend up in excitement. So sorry, Amy's boyfriend. It's about to happen again. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. Sorry, Amy's boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> You know, we we do what we can. So Amy's boyfriend, if you want to drop us a line, uh, you can scream and wake Amy up. Oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and now I'd like to take us to a couple of uh, Twitter shout outs. Some people on Twitter that we're interacting with and having cool conversations with. That's right. Um, we want to give a Twitter shout out to uh, somebody named Caps 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 for Sale, uh, which is at Caps 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 for Sale on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so so I, I asked Caps, Caps, Caps for sale, or really, I just kind of asked the Twitterverse, Diz Twitter, as it were, uh, <laughs> you know, what is their favorite transportation system at Disneyland? And Caps, Caps, Caps uh, just sent me a gif of the Disneyland Railroad, which I really beautiful. appreciated. And then afterwards, he said that, uh, you know, we were kind of talking back and forth about how it's not really efficient, right? The Disneyland Railroad uh, to go anywhere that you want to go. Uh, is at least 10 minutes. Uh, and he said, yes, but he always prefers the scenic route over the efficiency of walking. That's a good, uh, which, that's a good point. Yeah. Which kind of brings us back to, you know, the, the Disneyland railroad is not really about moving you. Uh, it's about showing you uh, it's, it's completely separate. I think from the thing that it symbolizes, which was about movement and about motion and speed uh this is different this is a leisure train uh and i completely agree with uh with caps 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 that's what for me the train is all about right so thank you caps 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 on the complete opposite note uh natasha longtime uh friend of the show natasha uh says that uh, she just walks <laughs> <laughs> and and she sent us a great gif of timon shaking his head uh and yeah, Natasha, I'm with you too. Like when when you want to get there, you just you, get there. You just when go. you want to get there, you just go. There's no well. If I catch the train now, and I can I can beat the three o'clock parade, and then I can avoid the rush. No, it's none of that. It's just like all right, here we go. Uh, I got to get to Space Mountain now. <laughs> Time to walk. Time to walk. So, uh, so that's that's a very good point. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Natasha. Uh, and we've got some kind of non sequitur uh, Twitter shout outs this week. So I'd like to say thank you to uh, Joshua L. Harris, a.k.a. JLH Omni on Twitter, uh, who was talking to me about the Haunted Mansion. And this is an exact quote. Uh, Haunted Mansion is like the Citizen Kane of rides, he said. Uh, and I really like that quote. I never imagined thinking of kind of ranking the rides based on their influence and based on their, their effectiveness. No, that uh, is a really, really cool point. Isn't it? Uh, and he, and, and you know, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, Oh yeah. You know, the Haunted Mansion is innovated in its innovative in its effects, just like Citizen Kane was uh, it's atmospheric, just like Citizen Kane was. It has a novel structure, just like Citizen Kane did. Uh, and there's there's really no reason for the Haunted Mansion to be the way it is, to be as in-depth and uh, interesting as it is, other than, well, that's the right way to do it. Uh, yeah. Other than the fact that it exists, like there's. There's really, yeah, there, it's not it's not there to, to promote anything or, or be an IP of, of, of anything. It's just there to, to tell a story and be a good ride. 
and it, it does that perfectly. So, so um, is is the Haunted Mansion the Citizen Kane of rides? Uh, you know what? Probably. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. J-L-H Omni. Uh, I think you got it right. Uh, next shout out. We're going to talk uh, just really just super, super quick uh, because this was a, a, a cool article. Um, Dan of the Tomorrow Society um, uh, posted an article on on the use of uh, intellectual property in the parks, which is a, a favorite pet topic of ours, apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, he says that uh, despite the increased focus on intellectual property in recent years, Disney has still created incredible spaces while following that mission. And the perfect example is Pandora, which transcends the confines of its source material and transforms the Avatar film into something greater. That area's success reminds us how good theme parks can be. These inviting, beautiful spaces are more than just escapist worlds, too. The best examples help to enhance our daily lives beyond the parks. Um, and while neither of us have had a chance to make it out to Disney World or to Pandora yet, uh, I'm I'm going in in May, and I I didn't like the movie Avatar all that much, but I am very excited to check out Pandora. I remember liking the Avatar movie for about a minute in 2009 when it was like a mind blowing special effects kind of experience, right? This this new era of 3D movies. Uh, and when Disney announced uh, that this property that is now almost 10 years old. Uh, and has sequels on the horizon, but, you know, isn't really, it doesn't really seem like that's happening anytime soon. Uh, when Disney announced that, um, you know, they were going to make a world of Pandora, Avatar Land, uh, I was like, how could they possibly, why would they do this? Aren't there better candidates? What's happening? (laughs) Uh, and, and now to see it fully realized and the giant floating rocks and the waterfalls coming off of it and to see the animatronics on the boat ride, even in video, that which look fantastic. Uh, and then to hear the stories about Flight of Passage, which is supposed to be transcendent uh, to the point where people are spending half of their day waiting for it, maybe longer. Uh, you know, it it really does kind of give you some perspective. Like it's not necessarily the strength of the intellectual property uh, that makes the land or that makes the ride so much as it's the execution. Uh, and that Pandora was able to transcend avatar and to make people who let's face it, probably won't turn out to see a sequel, but make them, go to the theme park and and really immerse themselves in the world and to have that immersive experience work on a different level i think is a really interesting thing so uh thank you thank you uh dan of the tomorrow society uh for your fantastic article and thank you for the conversation on it on twitter i'd like to shout out to my uh current favorite twitter friend um Charles Gustine of the Iconography podcast, of which I just downloaded my first episode and am very excited to listen to. Um, Char- uh, he's at, at Charles Gustine, G-U-S-T-I-N-E, um, on Twitter. And uh, he's uh, engaged with us a couple of times um, saying, for example, that our uh, podcast description sounds like a long line pulled from his dream journal. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> which is so, which was 
just amazingly complimentary. And yes, we're thank so you so much for found, saying that. We found our audience of one, just Charles. <laughs> um, and and he he and I also uh, talked a little bit about um, about the Big Ben scene and the Peter Pan ride. And uh, he's from from London and was talking about uh, how he how it, how he missed it and how it was like a like a like a homesick moment for him and he shared that gif of the scene in the movie where they land on the minute hand on on the on the clock tower and i showed my coworker. we had a gushing moment about how beautiful that animation is um it's really uh charles has been uh been a delight on twitter to talk to so thank you charles thank you charles and uh to kind of to kind of uh go off of that uh one last shout out to brad hughes aka at it's dreamy brad uh of the daily disney podcast uh, hi dreamy brad <laughs> just for the the positivity and the hype uh sharing about galaxy's edge you know we just had a, a little twitter interaction uh but it's just really cool to start interacting with other podcasters so charles brad uh and dan of uh the tomorrow society just thinking like it's so cool to engage with this community. Theme park fans are really cool on Twitter and on the rest of the internet. Thank you guys for shouting us out. We'll shout you out. Uh, and, you know, we'll continue to kind of grow this crazy thing that we call a podcast. So thank you all. I know we've been getting a lot of really good feedback and, and um, it's just really nice to, to hear from everybody. So keep on tweeting. Thank you for listening to Those Happy Places. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. Research for this episode was done by Alice White and Kate Prince and edited by Buddy Duquesne. This episode was produced by Alice White and edited by Buddy Duquesne. Our theme music is Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers, featuring Phil Alvin. Find the Feet Warmers on YouTube or visit their website, CaliforniaFeetWarmers.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Send people to our website at www.thosehappyplaces.com and join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thosehappyplaces, where we're always talking about theme parks and ideas for future episodes. We're also on Twitter. That's right. I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And I'm at Alice White, T-H-P, for Those Happy Places. Thanks for listening, and we hope you return to Those Happy Places. <laughs> <laughs>